if you have the guts and the willpower to build staff and have staffing and create these shifts and be able to make it something that we all do with willing people, you will not have to compromise your standards. And you really will be not just the employer of choice, you will be the company of choice when the things change. You're listening to Toolbox for the Trades, brought to you by Service Titan, a podcast for top service professionals where we interview leaders for their best tips and tricks of the trades. Learn how industry trailblazers stay ahead of the competition and how you too can be at the forefront of an industry. Let's jump in. Hello, contractors, and welcome to the Toolbox for the Trades, the show where we share the top tricks, tips, and tactics from top service professionals worldwide. Today, I'm joined once again by Al Levy, the founder of the Seven Power Contractor, who's chatting with me today about S3, his signature staffing system. If you're struggling to find techs, this is the episode for you. Learn how Jason Kim, the GM of Ray the Plumber, leveraged Al's system to create his own apprenticeship program to build the best techs from scratch. To quote Jason, your best techs aren't hired yet. Check out today's episode to learn how you can set up a system that gets qualified techs in your trucks. Enjoy. Al Levy, I am so excited to have you join me once again on Toolbox for the Trades. You are the founder of the Seven Power Contractor, and today we're talking about arguably the most important power of all, the staffing power, which we are now referring to as the Signature Staffing System, or S3. This is all about hiring the right team members and technicians for your business goals. So how are you doing today, Al? I am going to steal a line from one of my great clients, Rob Minnick from uh, Minnick's in Baltimore area. I would ask him, uh, I go, when I call him up and go, how are you doing today? And he would always answer amazing. So one day I just said, why do you always answer amazing? He goes, well, it could be amazingly good or amazingly bad. It covers both. Today is very good. All right. Just <laughs> good. I'm so happy to hear it. I would feel so feel bad love. if the answer was amazingly bad. No, no, I got to talk on this good. podcast with you again, Jackie. <laughs> Okay, good. Um, now, for anyone who's watching the video, you already know this, but we have a third guest joining us. Uh, and to kind of enter into that, you know, we know that hiring techs at Toolbox for the Trades is arguably the hottest topic uh, right now, and it's been the hottest topic for years. But before we even get to that, uh, we have a third guest to share his successful hiring experience uh, with your program by implementing your program, this S3 program. Jason Kim, you are the GM of Ray the Plumber and the owner and service manager of Zoom Drain Long Island. Jason, we start this podcast the same way every time. So I got to ask, how did you get into the trades? Um, clearly by accident <laughs> would be my first answer. First of all, thanks for having me, Jackie. Um, no I was in corporate America for most of my career, um, sales and marketing operations, um, by background and, and frankly was doing well in corporate um, and was just tired of letting other people or making other people uh, money. I had the good fortune to meet my uh, business partner. Our, our sons actually played basketball together. So we would sit on the sidelines and talk business. And as he always says, he was interviewing me and I didn't even know it. And I didn't. Um, and when he wanted to start uh, the second company that we, we did, um, he asked me to come aboard. And I had always had a great fondness for the trades, thought it was a great place uh, to be a, a, a you know, necessary business and one that could provide a lot of opportunity uh, for, I, I call them kids, they all look like kids to me, but for the younger generation, you know, coming up and I saw a real need. Um, and so I, I gave up my corporate job, which was a nice safe haven and moved into the trades. And that was seven and a half years ago and never looked back. It's been a great ride. And you already kind of alluded to the fact that in corporate America, you were tired of making other people money. But what else was it about the trades that lured you out of that safe haven, that uh, you know, 401k matching and healthcare? Yeah, right. All those fun things and, and a lot of vacation time. Um, I, I would say it's, it's a number of things. I, see, I saw we went, I went through two recessions and we were in the construction business. So watching that happen, um, looking at this, the types of trades that we're in, the plumbing, heating and, and drain cleaning business, Obviously, not being nothing's recession proof, but a little bit more hardy um, from a recession standpoint. 
Um, also, just the necessary. People need us, and, and we do great service for our customers. We work very hard in customer service, and, and all of that was, you know, frankly, very attractive to me. And, and also then getting the opportunity to mentor the younger generation coming in and, you know, guys that didn't go, want to go to college, couldn't go to college, didn't have a plan. Mm-hmm. And we are now mm-hmm. putting that together for them, at least on their business side. They still have to take care of their personal lives, but we're at least helping them, you know, get careers and, and get some foundation under that. And that to me is extremely rewarding. That's awesome. Now I have to say something before we get into more of the questions, but you are in Long Island. If anyone's ever listened to me or Al talk to each other, we are both proud New Yorkers who no longer live there. So I just love that we are forming our own little trifecta on today's episode. Uh, So the more pizza, bagel, uh, hey, watch where you're walking, or (laughs) uh, any New York stereotypes that we can put into this podcast, I would greatly appreciate. So you guys have full, full full power to do that. Get off my car. Yankees, Mets. Uh, Okay. Uh, So the way you guys first got introduced to each other, Al, you actually consulted for Ray the Plumber after Jason and Ray from Ray the Plumber saw what was possible at Zoom Drain. Uh, What was the first thing that you began working on when you worked with Jason at Ray the Plumber? Well, to Jason, and of course, I have to give a plug here for Ray Grimaud, the Ray behind Ray the Plumber, because he will be listening to make sure that I say Ray Ray, Ray. So Ray, Ray I said your name Ray, a lot. Ray. Uh, to their credit, they had seen what we could do at Zoom Drain, which I'm so proud of my, my experience in the franchise with my good partners, Ellen Rohr and Jim Carnitti. We had brought this thing that Ray always wanted, you know, to be able to grow the business. And, you know, he could always make calls. But how do we get these great techs out there? And how do we have these systems? And how does it not all reliant on me to do that? So when he saw that, happening for Zoom Drain Long Island, he says, with Jason pointing this out, is we've got to sync up Ray the Plumber. And to their credit, they hired me in to get Ray the Plumber to be able to have these systems, the seven systems I always talk about. So the my particular case was planning, operations, staffing, sales. Those were really the things I was working on. Got it. So just to kind of provide a bit of a roadmap here for anyone who's like, wait, how does Zoom Drink come in here? If you weren't listening, really, if you kind of were breezing through the introduction. So Jason, you joined Ray Grimaud to GM Ray the Plumber. You both purchased and are co-owners of Zoom Drain Long Island franchise. At the time, Al Levy was working closely with Zoom Drain to implement the systems and processes that he's so famous for. And while he was doing that for your Zoom Drain franchise, you were saying, we need to do this at Ray the Plumber because you just were able to see how streamlined that and how strong that foundation was. And you wanted to have that same type of growth at Ray the Plumber. Is that correct? Yeah, no, that's exactly correct. I mean, we we started Zoom Drain with a couple of technicians. Um, at Ray the Plumber at that time was a very established service company on Long Island, but um, run by Ray and everything was tied to Ray. And so we started working on implementing the things that we wanted to with Zoom within our couple technicians and then really found it was like the tail trying to wag the dog is that we didn't, mm. I don't want to say fix the dog because Ray had a you know, still to this day as a great company, we need to streamline the processes and procedures. We needed to not have everything run through Ray so that we could really scale it. Um, and then we needed to be able to grow technicians. So we uh, then really focused our efforts on on Ray the Plumber and Zoom Drain at that point, brought in Al, um, you know, it took us about what, Al, about a year and a half to kind of roll through everything that we did. Um, and I think in hindsight now, especially with the labor market being what it is, um, we, we look smart. And, I, and it wasn't any great planning. It just was, you know, it was very fortuitous timing that uh, that we were able to bring out and really, you know, get the structure and the foundation, you know, underneath us, which is now really starting to pay us the dividends that, you know, on the, all the time and money that we invested. Got it. Al, anything you want to add to that story? No, I would give a lot of credit to both Ray and Jason. You know, it's hard when you're making money and it's a struggle. I was there. I There's a reason my tagline was always been less stress, more success. I had a lot of success. Stress was killing me. And it wasn't good for Ray. It wasn't good for Jason. It just wasn't good for anybody that was on the Ray, the plumber side. So this is why we, and they invested heavily their time, energy, and money to begin to put these systems in place. But think of it with the, the lenses that it takes to focus on the plumbing and heating business segment that they ran. Got it. 
All right. So obviously with Ray the Plumber, you implemented all of your various powers, but we're really going to focus on staffing today because right now you have the signature staffing system called S3, which is a separate entity from Seven Power Contractor. Um, So we're just going to focus on staffing. Now, when you went into Ray the Plumber, Al, you had a goal of bringing on 20 new trucks to the company. And I'm just curious, how did you set that goal? And where was Ray the Plumber at that time? Well, the reason I'm laughing is because Jason and I will remember Ray had like this little house, but it was right on the main highway. And this is how he really was one of his big marketing things. Going Sunrise Highway for anybody who knows where Queens is, and you do, and right on through the Long Island. It was thousands of cars, people getting off the train, seeing his shop. And it was very hard, but we were literally sitting on top of each other. I am not kidding when I would be there for the meetings. And I said, you know, we got to go. We have to build a model shop. We have to put the right training center, which is like a classroom, the right training room for the hands-on training, take the manuals that we're putting together, and then build the training curriculum, which is the bridge, and become better trainers ourselves so we can build willing apprentices with no skills into willing techs with great skills. And that was kind of the problem. Ray was just like me. He was a hostage to his own employees at Ray the Plumber. And, you know, this was the case. Again, everything had to run through him and trying to find that uh, I used to say lightning in a bottle, but I guess today it's a unicorn (laughs) is the willing tech with great skills who will do it your way. Good luck. (laughs) That's very hard to do. Too impossible. And so that was really it. So we go, we build this shop and Ray does not do anything small. <laughs> Nothing is small. He's going to do it. He's going to do it to perfection. So we build this giant shop from this tiny little thing we have. And I look around and I just look at Ray and Jason and I go, be clear. We have to have 15 to 20 trucks in here to make this work. And they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm kidding. Not kidding. 15 to 20 trucks have to be in here. And this is the path. So that's really what, you know, having been to so many places and recognizing what it takes in the economy of scale, because we had the the org charts, we had the manuals for everything. And now we were putting this ability to put staffing in. That's why I settled in on that. Got it. Jason, anything you want to say about your experience when I was like, you need 15 to 20 trucks. What, were, what was your in, initial reaction to that? Before or after I threw up? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I mean, listen, one of the, the things that, that I enjoy most about working with Al is that he, he really has an answer for everything. There's not, you know, you know, a, well, I have to think about that and get back to you. And he's very committed to it. So when he talks from a level of, you know, what do we need to be doing or what our goals need to be? I just listen because I've seen it already proven time and time again. In fact, I don't even call him and tell him he's right anymore, you know, years later, because I've told it to him so many times. So when, when he said that, that, that was definitely a mental goal for me. We just committed to, you know, we need to get there no matter what. And we've done it by, you know, organic growth and inorganic growth. And, um, and we're, we're, you know, we're heading in the direction that we want, always wanted to. It takes a while to, to pump the well. I mean, I say it all the time to our team. We pumped the wall for years around here to try to get all this going, the manuals in place, obviously just more than staffing, all of our seven powers. Um, and, you know, it takes a while and the results are really coming in now. And um, it's very rewarding, very rewarding. And what year did this start? 2016, it was about? Yeah. 17, I think. Yeah, something somewhere around, around in that. Yeah. Time yeah, flies when you have it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. What a time. <laughs> What a time. All right. Um, So Al, you mentioned something really interesting and which is really the reason I wanted to have both of you on today's show is you talked about growing techs. Every single person who I have on this podcast, who's having some modicum of success in the trades right now is having it because they are training and they are growing their own techs from scratch. They are no longer looking for, I think you said that uh, the tech with the high skills who is unwilling to change. They're looking for someone with no skills so that they can turn them into willing techs um, with the skills. I think I said that right. Yeah. Um, so that's really what we're focusing on here is how to set up the program to take people without any technical skills and grow them into technicians that do systems and processes the way you want them to do them and also will do them in a way that will help your business grow and scale. So with that in mind, 
We've already talked about the powers. We've talked about the manuals, but again, we are focusing on the signature staffing system. So Al, could you just tell me what it is and how it's unique to the trades? So the staffing system is really taking what came before the work charts, the manuals, the career path, and making it a reality. Because you can only tell me so long that you're going to build my career, and ultimately I'll know if you need it or not. So this is the program. It's really the five steps of staffing power, which is always recruiting, always hiring, always orienting, always training, and always retaining. And those five pieces I really unpack in the program. There's a lot more depth to it about how to do all of those right. And how do I know they're right? Because I did them all wrong, <laughs> and, but I'm really good at fixing stuff. And so I did many years ago, and we really mastered that system. And when I say many years ago, I'm talking late 80s. So, yeah. And then if you're tuning out, the shops I've worked with, including besides just Jason, they did not have this tech shot, a shortage problem that all of you had. They didn't have to lower their standards like all of you had. They didn't have to buy employees from everybody else like you did. So this is what you need to latch into. The second thing is when you have the ability to take a young, willing apprentice and get them to junior tech. And what is junior tech? So if your manuals, your trade manuals for plumbing, heating, cooling are this big. For anyone listening, he's showing about uh, seven Harry Potter yeah, books seven Harry all, Potter. Uh, all stacked on top of one another. Every Lord of the Rings thing, whatever you're into. Lord of the Rings. Whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> Dune. But it's really this, this portion of, of the manuals, which is, so if you put me through, I've been with your shop 60 to 90 days to prove to you that I can show up every day, that I can be clean and sober. And then when I get out in the field, when you move me around, you get good marks about me for being somebody who's willing to get in and work, not sitting back, scanning through my phone, checking in with everybody else other than working because I can't fix unwilling. I can fix everything else. I can train everything else. And that way you earn your way to class. And that is what I call the first step along the way, apprentice to junior tech, where you typically spend about four to five months. It's not like I don't work. It's two hours at night, Tuesdays and Thursdays, or four hours on Saturday. <clears throat> don't ever train more than four hours. You're wasting your time. This block training does not work. How do I know? Uh, because I tried it and it didn't work. <laughs> and that's why I can tell you, Block training doesn't work. My father loved what I could do. He goes, why don't we just put him in a room and let's teach him for two weeks? I go, I would, Dad, if it worked, but it doesn't. You learn in pieces as you go, and it gets reinforced with the work in the field. So this apprentice to junior tech allows them to get in the truck and go make some money for themselves and make you money and cover the calls that you have. And they begin to build time on their clock whether it's six months or a year, depending on what work you do. And then they come back for junior tech to senior tech. Now in apprentice to junior tech, they already learned your sales system. And if you don't have one, get one. And so you need a sales system. And then the manuals obviously have the operational technical stuff. And then you teach them the tests you didn't do in junior tech to senior tech. They go out on the field and they prove themselves. When you get to be a bigger company, which is typically eight to 12 service techs running every day, the service manager becomes the choke point at your company. If you're running three to five crews every day on install, the install manager is the choke point. So you need to create what I call senior tech to field supervisor. And they are kind of like your big brother, big sister, because they are able to, the supervisor is, field supervisor is a bad name because you don't ride around all the, all the time. You get your team started in the morning, check up with them in the afternoon, and you go out and work. And then the first line of support, if you're a service tech, sales, operation, technical, is to the field supervisor, service field supervisor. In the case of a install field supervisor, the first line of support for communication, operation, technical, is to their field supervisor, who can get them unstuck. Because the goal isn't how good can I do, it's how good my team does, is how I earn that box, which is a rented position. So senior tech to field supervisor is not like, oh, Jason's a great tech. Let's make him a field supervisor because I can tell you what most bosses do. Or at least that's the mindset of a tech. They watch horrible bosses and they figure I'm just going to be a miserable SOB and yell at everybody because that's what a boss does. And that is not good. Or they're going to be everybody's buddy and that's not good. So they have to go through a qualify, compete and train because 
they're the first line of support for getting these guys trained up, getting these people in the truck being effective so that they can do their work as well. And that begins to set the stage. So qualify, compete, then you train them how to own that box. Got it. So I'm just going to distill everything I heard. So you essentially are setting up a track of apprentice to junior tech, junior tech to senior tech, senior tech to field supervisor. The field supervisor oversee is kind of the uh, team lead, so to speak. So it sounds like they're still running calls. And within the system, however long it takes, you're qualifying apprentices, junior techs, senior techs at every, in every different milestone to KPIs that you've set up and you're identifying who's the best fit. Am I correct in that? Yeah, you nailed it. There are simple KPIs. Field supervisors are very important for ride-alongs to really find out what is and isn't going on. But they don't do their training primarily out in the field because it's very difficult to do what we used to call OTJT because we didn't want to say it out loud, which is on-the-job training, which is how most of us got trained. Your job is to train them right in your own training room, which is a classroom, and your own hands-on training center. So you're not trying to fix all the mistakes out there, but you have to get out and do what they talk about, trust and verify. Got it. And what's, I think, so cool, it sounds like about this program is that as you create more field supervisors, you have more team leads. So your team can organically get bigger and bigger. Um, and they're constantly putting people through the system. They're able to see their growth. And I assume after field supervisor you know, they can manage, their team gets bigger. So there's always these different, um, what's the word? There's always a career path. Incentivization. Yeah. You're, never, Incentivization. you're never done. You're never done. As a matter of fact, we were one hub and three spokes. So we exported a field supervisor to run that spoke because they already came up through the system. They knew all of our systems and they were the best to replicate those systems out in the spoke. This is uh, like for Tommy's garage door, which is in 19 states, uh, 150 million today. That's how they scale the way I just described. And a field supervisor doesn't still out because they can rise up to be service manager. They can switch over and become a system advisor, which is a big ticket sales because they proved they could sell or they never would have risen to that box. And so they would begin to get some sales training to be able to do that. They could rise to be sales manager. There's a, no shortage of it. I also work with the great uh, Keith Pinkerton, Mr. Electric. He's got probably 10 shops down in Alabama and Tennessee. He's all, by the way, I've just name dropped in every service Titan person I can think of. <laughs> which Please do. Keep which going. is pretty easy to do these days. Yeah, it is. Um, and by the way, for anyone who didn't catch Tommy, uh, Tommy Mello from A- A1 Garage Door, which you, who you famously uh, partner with all you've partnered with him a whole bunch. You've consulted for him. So, um, and yeah, so thank you for dropping those names. (laughs) Jason, this system that Al just described, how did you know that you had to implement something like that at Ray the Plumber? Um, First of all, it was very hard not to do hallelujah and amen throughout Al's uh, last portion of it, because everything uh, he says, we not only believe, but we live um, every day. I mean, and and the, the problem was very obvious as it is to probably anybody watching this, is that, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, you had experience mechanics or technicians, you know, walking in the door who had experience. Um, you were always settling. You were always trying to break bad habits. You know, when we started this, we weren't even getting that coming through the door. Um, you know, it was a one-way street. It was guys leaving, and we didn't have good qualified technicians coming in. So we felt like we had no choice. We needed to start something. We needed to get, you know, a, a place where we could cultivate our own uh, crew, grow them in the manner that we wanted to train them. Uh, we did have the the great fortune of watching Zoom Dream uh, and the franchise in Philadelphia have been, you, you know, several years ahead of us in this. We saw the fruit that they were bearing and the technicians that were coming out, the belief of the other technicians in the company, the process, the systems, uh, the, the no bad habits. Um, you know, not that every tech doesn't have some type of, we all do, but, you know, no, no bad habits because you train them just the way that you want to and it's the way that they learned. Um, so it was not a question of how, you know, if we were going to do this for Ray and I, it was always just a question of how we were going to go about it and how much we were going to dedicate it to it. And every month that went by during this time frame, it just became increasingly clear that we needed to kind of throw everything we could at it, which we did um, to get this going. So, 
thank you for saying that, that it wasn't about if we were going to do it, it was about how we were going to do it. Cause you were just taking a look at the industry as a whole and seeing where your shortages were in terms of hiring and you had to find a solution. So tell me what kind of time commitment and culture adjustment did it take to really institute this program at Ray the Plumber? Um, I would say it was significant. I mean, both in time and culture, and, and I would I would weigh through both of those. I could probably spend an hour talking about each one of those, but I mean, it definitely was a commitment in time on our part. I would come in and we would edit manuals and spend days upon days locked in a conference room. You know, it was only a couple of days at a time. Sometimes it felt like weeks. Um, sorry, Al. Um, but we did. We developed and edited all the manuals to get to where we need to. So it was a significant time commitment. And then obviously spending time with our team because we had an existing team. We needed to roll that back through. So we committed hours during the week, which I mean, anybody who's listening to this know house knows how hard that is and how expensive that is uh, to do it. And then it was really a fundamental commitment to a cultural change of, um, you know, gone were the days of, you know, an apprentice handing the wrong wrench to a technician and the, and the, the apprentice getting it thrown back at it. <laughs> Right, those days are over. That was, that was um, my days. A hundred percent. And you know, we st- still got guys around here who tell those kind of stories. And and my my explanation to my field supervisors is always the same. And it's just what Al said: is you're a big brother. You're not the bad father or uncle or whatever. And you're going to bring this kid up the hard way. You're the big brother that needs to coach this. And you know, Al also said it in willingness. I mean, that's the number one thing that we judge: sixty to ninety days with these apprentices who start with us during their orientation period, because anybody can be anybody in an interview with 60 to 90 days, we're going to see who they are. And we've gotten really good at letting apprentice in probation go because they just didn't demonstrate willingness. I don't care that you can, how well you can pick up a wrench or do this and that, or how much you can lift. If you're not willing, then you're not a fit for us. Everything else we can teach you as long as you're willing. Got it. Um, The time commitment and culture adjustment just, I can imagine what kind of undertaking that has to, that is from a leadership perspective and also recognizing that some of that time, it could be time that your guys that are doing good enough could just be out in the field making more money. So it's a very vulnerable position to be in, having to take them back and having to set up, I'm sure, meetings and different initiatives internally to make sure that everyone was on board with this. Um, To the same question of time commitment and culture adjustment, Al, you've been doing this obviously for years and years now consulting with other people. What should folks listening think about when, if they're thinking about undergoing the S3 program, what kind of time commitment and culture adjustment do they need to prepare for? Yeah, it's it's really, I'm going to go the other side of this is how much time do you waste cleaning up all the messes? I had a really good, very talented owner that I, I acquired at times when I stepped into the business on the other end of Long Island, in plumbing, gas, heating, air conditioning, electric. And uh, I, this great guy, I said to him, I said, are you, why aren't you getting out doing the ride-alongs? He goes, well, I'm too busy. And I said, well, then where do you find the time to fix their mistakes? Because every time you ride with them, they get better at sales, better operation, better technical. So this is the classic case of you're in the woods, chopping down trees with a dull ax, and I say to you, well, come with me, we'll sharpen the ax and we'll cut these trees down sharp, you know, faster. And you look up at me and go, I would, but I'm busy chopping this tree down with this dull ax. So, mm. uh, duh, you're going to be in this trap forever. And trust me, forever for you is the late 80s to now, that's forever. You're not going to change this. You might even get relief because the academy backs off and now there's some techs. This is a wave. See? One of the nice privileges of getting older is I've seen the waves. They're coming. They just change a little bit. Now, this was very difficult. I will absolutely say the difficulty in this wave was it was very rare that we had a problem with not enough text and not enough materials. Usually it's kind of one or the other. So I do appreciate that. But I will say to you again is the people that went through this program that Jason's talking about with me will tell you that they didn't experience that. They didn't have to drop their standards. So getting back to this, you need to watch the videos just like the operating manual system because I don't do this one-to-one anymore. I take you step-by-step as we climb the hill. So you need to commit a minimum of one two-hour time block where two or three of the key people, especially one of the owners, is watching the videos and following my steps about how to get the mastering of the five steps of staffing. 
and then commit to building the training center, building the training room the way I tell you to. The problem is some people want to be perfect. So you never built the training room and you never built the training center. And now you're going to prove to me that you're going to build the perfect one. Not going to happen or not in this century anyway. And so you're going to handicap yourself. And that's really just the problem with us, especially owners who came up as techs. The reason we got good, Jackie, is because we were a bit of a perfectionist. The reason we stumble is because we're too perfectionist. So if you take these videos and you build the training room and training center, you can certainly in 60 to 90 days start implementing a lot of this stuff. That's really kind of the, the best answer I can give you. And if, that. if I could add, you know, something to that, first of all, my, my friend John over the weekend was just telling me sharpen the axe story to my recently graduated college son. So that's why I was laughing. It was perfect. It's the second time in two days that I've heard sharpen, take the time and sharpen the axe, which you're absolutely right. And I, and I think it, it, the, the, the bigger the commitment, the more you're going to get out of it. And I, and I also know that by doing it the wrong way, right, is, you know, there were certain parts of Al's program that we committed to and certain things that we didn't really put our heart behind. And they came back to bite us later. And so now we're working on some of those pieces. Even today, we sit in a room and, and work on as a management team now, which, I mean, the fact that I can say I have a management team, you know, takes my breath away sometimes. Um, but we, we commit, you know, the more commitment that you'll give it up front, the more it's going to pay back because it does take time. I mean, nobody, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, you can do this in three months. It is a cultural change and cultural changes t- take time. And they also take commitment from the leadership, whether it's the owners or whoever the owner leaves in charge to run uh, the organization. It has to be fully committed. Otherwise, this just doesn't stick. Um, and it took us a little bit longer than it probably should have and needed to because we didn't commit in certain areas. So, you know, in, in hindsight now, you know, now at least we know where the pieces that are missing is we can go back and recommit to those. Um, and it just becomes minor cultural adjustments, not major, the major ones behind us. And it is, it's earth shattering when you, when you see it come into effect. And I can remember the day to this day that I, that I remember you know, because, you know, we spent a year rolling out manuals and teaching and spending time in a room. And you kind of wonder sometimes if anybody's listening. And I had a moment, you know, in the hallway in the morning where, you know, one of my guys was quoting, you know, a piece out of the operational manual to the other one and said, that's because that's the way we do it here. You know, I I wasn't sure if I wanted to cry or fall down or hug him or jump for joy or whatever it was, because it was just a real turning moment. And from, you know, kind of that moment, you know, on, I realized that we were affecting the change. The culture was changing and we were moving forward. And, and every day I could put another brick in place and realize that, you know, it was taking it was taking long. I want to talk about results a little bit more because that's why everyone's here, yes, right? Yes, um, fair enough. So, so t- <laughs> tell me, Jason, about the, seal, uh, the field supervisor you have now who went through this program and tell me a little bit about the success of it. We mentioned that you started your relationship with Al in 2017 between Zoom Drain and Ray, Ray the Plumber. So from 2017, which is now six years ago, you know, tell me who's made field supervisor. So the best, you know, best story I have, um, and still one of our best best guys today is is Connor Carl. And when we started this, Connor was an apprentice, and we didn't really know why we had an apprentice. We just know we needed a guy, and Connor was the guy. And uh, he was hanging Christmas lights, I think, at Ray's house for you know some other company when Ray when Ray got to know him. And he came over, and, and he was moving along, you know, through learning things and things like that with no formal program training or whatnot. Um, and then Al started bringing in his systems. And so Connor kind of became the person that we guinea pigged everything on. And he also was just a part of, you know, listening to all the rollouts of all the operating manuals, the technical manuals, the sales power. Um, and he went out and he exemplified them. He learned them and he knew and saw the vision for what it was. And, and, and this was a kid and he was, he's not a kid anymore, but he was a kid who used to come to me in the parking lot and said, if I do another toilet rebuild, I'm going to die because he was the guy doing all the toilet rebuilds, right? While all the other senior technicians were out running bigger jobs. And uh, he came in, learned all, or he took, you know, uh, all that we had to offer with the systems and learned everything and exemplified it, um, moved up through the ranks um, ultimately and was promoted to field supervisors. He is one of the, you know, not so much anymore, one of the younger guys, but at the time he was one of the younger guys around here and we handed him a leadership position because we knew he could be a good big brother and a good role model. Um, and today, what 
when we sit in our management meetings, the things that come out of his mouth from an ideas and perspective and the things that he shares with our other field supervisors is, is nothing short of astonishing. And I think it's a combination of, of the programs and the systems that Al has combined with who Connor is as an individual. I mean, we've had other apprentices who, who have come and gone and not wanted to embrace it for whatever reason. And that's fine. It's not, it's not for everybody. It doesn't need to be. Um, but the guys who do and really, really grab a hold of it, um, you know, can do really well. And, and Connor's now married, has, you know, a, a child and bought a house. And, you know, all those things are, you know, as an owner and or my primary goal is to make money for everybody so we can grow and continue to provide, you know, career paths for all of our team. But to watch things like that happen and, and see a kid go through that um, process, both from a personal and a business pr- perspective, is for me, is hugely that's awesome. Now I have two follow-up questions. Is the apprentice program still running? Is S3 still running? Um, yes, stronger than ever. And I actually spent some time um, going around and visiting other shops when I would travel. Um, I'd been to a Rochester shop, um, a Philadelphia shop, a Chicago shop of Al's clients, not Zoom Drain, not plumbing. These were HVAC electrical companies. Um, and, and the resounding theme I would always hear them say was, our best technicians have not been hired yet. And that is no reflection whatsoever on the people that came through the door. It's a reflection of our ability to get better at the program and do that, you know, better than ever. And we have the best apprentice class now at Ray the Plumber and Zoom Drain that we ever have. We, I've sat in meetings for years where they've said, ah, this guy, this, and he can't do this, the guy can't climb a ladder, he can't dig. And nobody has anything bad to say about the seven guys that are with us now between our two apprentice programs. Um, and we are committed more than ever. Um, we also recently did an acquisition of a cesspool pumping uh, company. So we needed to layer on, um, you know, a CDL driver component, which if you think finding plumbers is hard, try to find CDL drivers right now. So we went out and created our own CDL block and training program. And I have uh, two uh, of those Kids, again, started as apprentices or now are technicians with their CDL license driving 56,000 pound pump trucks around Long Island, you know, which is a huge responsibility. And they're 22, 23, 24 years old. So you have to demonstrate some maturity uh, for us to do that. So that, that's a long winded answer to yes, the S3 program is, is alive and running and we work on it, you know, every week. Could be every day if I think about it, you know, tweaking our blocks, making sure that we're not missing things, coming up with new checklists. We have more checklists and we know what to do with. But it's the only way to keep track of everything that we're trying to do because we learn. Ugh, we stubbed our toe. I'll give you one perfect example. They have the CDL. To get a CDL permit, you have to pass an air brakes component to it. Every one of them got hung up on the air brakes you know, piece of it. And we found through one of our partner uh, truck shops, found an air brakes trainer that they have a physical component where you can sit. And now we go and they take 15 minutes, they go through the air brakes and they pass it with flying color. So we get better at it. It's not that the, the apprentice is coming in or any better. We just get better. So when you first met Al, he said, you got to have 20 trucks. We're going we're to set a goal of 20 trucks. Where are you at now? Um, that's a great question. I would say 22 could be 23, 24 if we call it the install trucks. So we're there and, and we don't feel like we've scratched the surface. I um, Only in the last six months to a year do I feel like we have really, we have the foundation for growth now. There's nothing we can't accomplish because we spent the time putting the foundation on structural pieces on. We could not have run as many trucks as we do without the systems. It would be chaos. And now I feel like we could add another 20 in a year or two and we'd have no problem because we have the team members who understand the roles and operate to what Al, again, to his credit, always says is all these programs are designed to deal with uh, 80% of the problem. You're never going to deal with 100% of it, right? And so if we're dealing with 80% of it, so when we have a problem that allows us the energy, first and foremost, to deal with the 20% that's wild and wonky, whether it's the technician, the job, the equipment that breaks down, whatever it is, we have a foundation here and we have a team that understands, you know, how we're going about it. It's monumental. Uh, I love that. I'm going to let you speak in a second, but Jason, I have to ask now that you've been through this and I love in your last answer, you talked about how you are also always growing from the leadership perspective. And as the, the, the head of this program, tweaking and finding areas where you can provide better learning experiences for these apprentices, right? So what advice would you give other contractors who are listening right now and like, all right, 
if in six years I can have 22, 24 trucks, I want to do this. What advice would you give them if they're just starting off with developing a training program, whether that be Al's S3 program or another program? Wow, great question. So um, first of all, start. I mean, just start tomorrow with bringing guys in and doing a little bit of training and having weekly meetings. Weekly meetings are a huge fundamental piece of the culture um, here. And know that it, it doesn't take it doesn't take that long. We took longer than we needed to. We also had to change our current culture. You know, if you're just starting out, you've got a much uh, a better shot at it. Um, and developing the field supervisors is something that I frankly wish we would have put more effort to in the beginning. We kind of felt like between Ray and I, we could take it all on and we could run it and do everything. And now that we spent the time to develop the field supervisors, um, I have a weekly management meeting now, Tuesday mornings, um, with all my field supervisors, with service manager, um, marketing director, and that's probably the most productive hour of my week. I feel like some days after that hour, I get to go home. <laughs> because there's just so much accomplished in there. And the reason I, I give you that all is the best advice I can do is grow a couple of guys who understand and care about what you want to accomplish because it's good for them careers and then listen to them because the ideas that come out of that group now, and Al, you said it years ago, you know, that you just need to listen to them. They'll bring the ideas to the table. We never gave them an, um, a venue for that. We never gave them a real opportunity other than passing in the hallway in the morning you know, at 7.30, everybody's having their first cup of coffee to throw ideas out. Now, when I really let them, and then they'll cultivate an idea, they'll take it to the field, bring it back. That's where the horsepower is now for us, for sure. That is such an excellent and insightful answer. I absolutely love it. And it got my wheels turning as a marketer in tech, right? So thank you for that. Now I need to ask uh, another question that I think will be fun. Al, I would love to know what Jason did right as a client. So as, as you coming in as a consultant, a lot of folks in the trades hire consultants like you to help in areas where they are not experts in. So what do you think that Jason did exceptionally well when it came to implementing this program at Rate of Plumber? I think uh, Jason did what I did with my two older brothers and dad. I grabbed, he grabbed Ray by the collar and dragged him kicking and screaming up the hill. <laughs> did you hear that, Ray? But, you know, you can't take anybody where they don't want to go. My brothers and dad wanted Especially to go. Ray. And Ray really wanted the relief. He told me as much. He wanted it. But really, it took Jason's focus to be able to, because otherwise, me and Ray would have been butting heads beyond belief. And, you know, the nature of this, Jackie, is I didn't have to do this job. And one of the things I wrote as my 10 golden rules is I could fire a customer. <laughs> and so, yeah, Jason was the glue. He was organized to take the information that I was sharing in the way that I was sharing and making sure that Ray stayed on our hip as we went because it was where Ray wanted to go. And that's what made this happen. Having a plan and executing it. Got it. And conversely, Jason, what did Al do exceptionally well as a coach? Um, I, you know, I kind of already alluded to it. It's the fact that he has, has so much experience both personally with his own companies and then as a consultant helping, you know, dozens and dozens of hundreds of companies go through these process, some of them in full blown like he did with us and some of them on a smaller venue as small as, you know, some of the trade shows that people attend and get to watch Al speak is he does have a, an answer for everything in the sense that he's got the experience and, and he gives it to you with, with commitment. Um, and results. And listen, if you don't believe them, let's get somebody on the phone who's been through it and they can tell you, you don't have to listen to me. And he's also was at a point in his career where he did, he was, it was a take it or leave it with us. And we fought him hard on some things that we didn't want to change. And he was like, fine. I mean, it's, it's, that's up to you guys. If you don't want to listen, then, and I will tell you there, I can remember those days where we would go head to head on certain issues, obviously in gentlemen, New York kind of fashion, right? And, and there's, there was a lot of love and respect in the room. But I still know that some of those things I have eaten my words at, maybe not publicly to Al like I'm doing now, um, but where I came back a year later, two later, and said, you know, I was right. And if we had done it that way from the beginning. So, you know, it's, it's really his knowledge and commitment level that makes all this, you know, happen. And Jason was very good at making it. sure that I had pizza, bagels, so that, you know, Thank there was you. a reason to stay. And, and listen, let's, let's, you know, we, we joke about Ray kicking and screaming, but he was, as, as Al said, he was the one who wanted this. He saw not a couple of things. He saw an opportunity for the company, I think, not to be tied to him 100% uh, anymore. And he saw something 
the opportunity to grow bigger and greater than he already was. And he was very successful very. plumbing company when I joined him. He didn't need me, um, but he saw the, the desire and, and wanting to build something that, you know, I don't, you know, legacies where you could toss around, but he wanted to build something that, you know, had even more substance than he had already built. And, and that, that, you know, a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs would have been happy walking away with where he was and said, he's good. He was also at the age where he could have walked away and, um, and he's kept pressuring and, and there, you know, there have been years where he's worked harder than I have, and I have a hard time keeping up. And he's got 15 years on me, so a lot of credit goes out to Ray um, for, yeah. for seeing for seeing this. I agree. Ray Ray's got That's- enormous energy, and one of the most difficult things is he was already really successful. He was already sure? very well known, and to come in and say, "Well, we're going to change this and change this," takes an enormous leap of faith, for which I am very grateful that he had enough trust in me to see what that we could do it together and bring this to his company. Yeah, really. That's, that's incredible. And I wanted to thank you for adding that. And I wanted to share two highlights I got from your last two answers. So Al, on your end, you said that it was great to have Jason because Jason was the go-to guy at Ray, the plumber who was able to take notes and really communicate to Ray, Hey, this is the stuff we have to do. In what you just said about Ray, you know, I'm always reminded every time I talk on this show about how precious these companies are, especially to the folks who started them, and how even though you want something, change is hard, it's difficult, it's painful, and you really need that support. Um, and Jason, I'm so happy that you, you know, highlighted how, yeah, you know, there was stuff we didn't want to do, and we pushed back on it, and now I look back and I'm like, dang, Al was right. I should have just listened to him from the start. Um, not everything. Not, every, not, every, not everything. Not everything. Um, but I just, this coach client dynamic, which comes up on the podcast all the time, I think it's just so important to hear those two things because it's, it's really universally true in my experience in the interviews I've done. Um, so I have a fun question to end the show. I've really enjoyed this conversation, but before we get to the fun question, I want to ask, is there anything we should have talked about in regards to this that we didn't get a chance to yet? Um, I, I would say don't let um, initial failure, uh, dampen your enthusiasm for the results. Um, we certainly had some apprentices who came through who didn't work out. I hired an apprentice class at the beginning, end of last year of three apprentices. Uh, zero of them are here today. I had then handed the baton off to someone else to hire the apprentices. Um, cause I felt like somebody else needed a shot to show that they could put them together. And Tom Hogan, who's one of our go-to guys around here really took that on and and hired the apprentices, but you can't, you know, this is not, Rome was not built in a day. This isn't going to happen overnight and you cannot let any initial failures in the beginning. I think it would have been very easy for us to say, well, that didn't work and walk away. Um, And, you know, our commitment was was much deeper than that. And therefore we we could take some initial failures and hits to the chest along the way and keep moving. I love that. Al, any final words? You know, if you're asking yourself, should I invest the time, energy and money? whoever you choose to do it with, whether it's this program or on your own, whatever it is, let's just make the math easy. I went to class with five apprentices. I knew what they were 60 to 90 days in. When they graduated and I could put a truck on the road, this is the old days. It was $250,000 a truck. So if I only graduated three, I added $750,000. So for whatever it was worth. Now, if I wanted to do it twice, I added 1.5 million. Well, today... Trucks are doing what, 350, 400? You can see the math is sick, crazy. But it's not even that. It's the ability to work your shifts. And this is the disturbing trend and why I was really glad my staffing program came out just at this time for everyone. It's because I was raised that we work on the customer's schedule. There's 2,000 companies on Long Island. And if you don't believe me, ask Jason. There are 2,000 companies on Long Island. And my dad said to me, they woke up today, they could have used any other one, but they committed to you. So what are you going to do? Because we go when they they need us. And here's the question is, because you know the trade now is change. Is all of a sudden we we don't answer our phones after five o'clock or we don't do weekends. Not everyone, but this is what's going on. And I know why. Because the only way they could steal help was to capitulate to this. But here's the question. Jackie, your mother entrusted me. There's water cascading from the third floor, flooding out her house from the toilet that just blew up. You want me to tell her I'll be there on Monday and it's Friday afternoon? I don't think it's right. 
And if you have the guts and the willpower to build staff and have staffing and create these shifts and be able to make it something that we all do with willing people, you will not have to compromise your standards. And you really will be not just the employer of choice, you will be the company of choice when the things change. Great ending. All right, now let me give you guys the fun question. Jason, you can go first. If you had to choose a song to be the soundtrack of your life, what would it be? You know, that's a tough one. And I've thought about it long and hard. But one song, only one song keeps coming back to me. And it's probably more of the last four or five years. You know, entrepreneurs are, are a different breed. And, you know, you always see entrepreneurs hanging out with each other and socializing because you, you don't really understand what it is to run and own a business and be responsible for payroll until you do. And I do now. And I did not when I left corporate to start here. And so it's an eclectic song by Iron Maiden called The Loneliness of a Long Distance Runner, um, because this is hard. What we do is incredibly hard. The, the business is hard. The customers are hard. Being in the trades is hard. Uh, being an owner, sitting up top, looking at the bills and looking at the revenue and trying to figure out where you're investing and where is a lonely, stressful you know, environment. And I, I will say without a shadow of a doubt that thank God for Al and what he did for us, because we're in just such a better position that, than we did. So I would say that was a, that was a theme song for a couple of years and, and it's starting to change. It's not as lonely. Amazing. Al, same question. Cause I've never, I haven't had the chance. No, to you ask never asked me this question. Yet. See, Jason, she polished it up cause you were on. Um, <laughs> the song that I was, that I would say is you got a friend. Not sure if it was Carol King or if it was the other one, but um, I prided myself on being a good friend and my clients became great friends to me to this day. They know they can reach out to me. They can call me if they have an issue. When I'm done with my work, because I never signed up to be a consultant for you for life. Uh, my friends told me how much they hated consultants when I first started because they said they'd never go away. And I said, well, I'm never going to be that guy. And so they know they can reach out to me and I will be here for them. Awesome. Well, Al Levy, thank you as always for joining thank and sharing you. some serious knowledge which, with Toolbox for the Trades. Your program S3, the signature staffing system, can be found on the website by the same name, I imagine? Seven Power Contractor forward slash S3, or you can go to products and you'll see it on the products tab. We'll link it in the show notes. And Jason Kim, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure to have a fellow New Yorker on the show. <laughs> uh, wishing you the best of luck and I hope to talk to you soon. Take care, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Toolbox for the Trades. If you enjoyed this episode or past episodes, I would love it if you left a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. This helps the show grow and get discovered by more listeners like you. Also, be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. Are you looking to build a top-tier service company? Service Titan's Contractor Playbook is a handy guide to help you get where you want to go. Authored by the industry's greatest minds, this free all-in-one playbook will help you set your company up for success. Learn how to provide excellent customer service, establish your company's culture, market to new and existing customers, and more. Just go to servicetitan.com slash getplaybook to access the free digital guide. That's servicetitan.com slash getplaybook.